Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius. Welcome back to the podcast. And the topic of this podcast is going to be keep moving. Keep moving. And this is a subject that has been one that's been uh, important to me for a long time because I think it's one of those critical lessons, most important lessons that a, a person can internalize in their entire life. And I I got the idea to talk about this subject a couple days ago, and I was messing around on Twitter. Well, being on Twitter itself is messing around almost by definition, but anyway, I was fooling around on Twitter, as sometimes I want to do during the day when I'm bored. And something came across my timeline. It was, I think, somebody had retweeted a statement by by Vince Neil, the lead singer of the Motley Crue, the... the uh, famous rock band, hard rock band, heavy metal band, Motley Crue. It's kind of sad that I have to identify who those guys are. I have to say that because I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who don't have any idea who these guys are, you know, the younger generation. But in the 80s, they were big. And I guess early 90s too, or mid-90s even. But anyway, this... Uh, Retweeted statement came across my timeline timeline from uh, Vince Neil. And the statement was something like, Hey, we're going back into the studio to record our first album in four years, or some, something along those lines. Like he and his bandmates are going to go back to the, to the studio. And I looked at that tweet and I said to myself, Damn, you know, how in the name of God are these all these guys not only still alive but they they're, they're all they're all they're continuing to go forward you know they're still out there making music and so i retweeted a comment like i i said um i said how the hell how the hell did you guys outlast everybody else i just you know retweeted vince vince neil's statement and i really was surprised by that cuz i said to myself you know that's it really is incredible when you think about it because these guys have been around since the early 80s, not just the late 80s. I mean, I'm talking the early 80s. You know, you would see kids with their concert shirts when I was in, in high school. Well, I was in, I was in high school from what, um, 80, uh, what, 80, uh, 82 to 86, I guess. Yeah, 80, 80, yeah, 82 to 86. Those four years was when, was when I was, those four years. Um, uh, you know, when I was in high school. But anyway, you would see kids with their concert shirts and whatnot and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, they've been around forever. And I've seen these um, TV documentaries about them. They may, they may have been on VH1's Behind the Music or one of these other music shows about survival or how... And it's, it's, the, it's incredible because this whole band has been through just about every bad thing that you can possibly imagine. I mean, I mean car crashes, um, car crashes, marriages, lawsuits, drug addictions, drug overdoses, uh, near-death experiences. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. Um you know, I, 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 in fact, I just so it just made me watch that. I think that night I, I checked out on YouTube just some of the, the, um, some of the hair raising stories that Nikki Six had talked about. One of the other bandmates in Motley Crue, and 
you know, this guy's amazingly, you go and watch watch this guy's interviews, and he's, he's very, very well-spoken. You know, Nikki Six is a really intelligent guy. You know, it's, inc- <laughs> it's incredible. And you, and you hear the stories. And this guy not only had one near-death experience, he actually had two near-death experiences that he relates on the, on the show. And the first one he talks about, he was, uh, he had some sort of OD, or I guess he got, he got addicted to heroin at some point in his career, I guess in the mid-80s or something. And um, I guess there was one point where he overdosed, he was with a dealer, and I guess the dealer thought he was dead, and so the dealer took him and put him in a dumpster, put his body in a, in a dumpster, and left him there for dead. He was unconscious. Well, I guess Nicky woke up at some point and crawled out of this dumpster, literally crawled out of his grave, and kept right on going, kept right on doing what he was doing. And then at some point later, he had another overdose. He had another uh, another near-death experience. Uh, this actually was not even... I don't even know if this is a near-death experience or a, or a death experience that he actually recovered from. But anyway, he over, he was at some hotel, and I guess he was partying with some people, and he overdosed, and they called an ambulance, and literally his heart had stopped. His heart had, had stopped. And the paramedic, when they were taking him to the hospital, the paramedic was happened to be a Motley Crue fan <laughs> and refused to give up on him. So he gave him two shots of adrenaline directly in the heart. Like just, I'm, this, that's what they say in the show. They Just like in the movie Pulp Fiction, that scene where Uma Thurman gets the, the needle in the chest. They gave him a shot of adrenaline right into the heart. And I guess he woke up and he, he you know, went right back to him what he was doing. He he literally died. His heart had stopped. And yet he found a way to go into rehab. He recovered. And he kept on doing what he was doing. And you see him in these interviews. The guy looks, he talks like he's very, he's not, he's not some burnt out uh, uh, knucklehead. This guy is a very, very intelligent dude. And, uh, you know, the other other guys in the band have had similar struggles. I'm not going to go into all the details. You can read the books or watch the TV shows or whatnot. But the point is, the point is, you know, when you look at that, I, I, I combined that with what I thought, my impressions when I saw the tweet from Vince Neil on Twitter. I said to myself, you know what? These guys, you know, I used to think that these guys were just, you know, clowns or these guys were not really that important. But you know what? You got to give credit where credit is due. These guys are are the real deal. I mean that 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 is some. Now again, I don't. I would never. Nobody would ever endorse that lifestyle or, or say it's anything. Is anything good about it? But the fact that they there is some value in just surviving. There is really some value in just staying in the game, hanging in there as long as possible. It's incredible. These guys are incredible. And I really, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going to say that I, re, I have to respect that. You have to give respect to the fact that these guys never really gave up. They never just sat down and just, they just kept on partying. And Nikki Six said in his interview, he says, he says, you know what? I don't regret a single trashed hotel room. I don't regret anything. He said, I would not want to go back and do it over again necessarily, but I don't regret anything. 
And I say, okay, you know, balls to the wall, man. Fantastic. You know, and so I guess my point is in, in using that example is that you have to keep going in life no matter what. You're going to have lows. And I, and, and I mean, I mean, that if if you don't call being left for dead in a dumpster rock bottom, then there is no rock bottom. If you don't call being clinically dead as rock bottom then then there is no i mean these guy this guy had literally hit rock bottom okay and yet this guy is out there you know we just we just keep on moving keep on moving forward and so we can learn something from that we can really learn something from that we can get lessons that are just as profound in that as maybe in in many other things that I've talked about here in the past. Now, obviously, nobody would want to advise that sort of a life. It's, it's not a good lifestyle, but, you know, people make mistakes. People do what they do. And, you know, you have to, you have to just accept that as part of life. But they are still together. The band is still together. They're still making music. And, you know, you have to, you have to give props for that. You know, I was, and I was talking to a friend just before I, I made this podcast. I was talking to a friend on the phone about it. And I told him that, uh, yeah, you know, you compare that with the whole Anthony Bourdain story, the real tragedy of that situation. And here's a guy who also had vast success and resources and, and what have you. And yet he could not find within him the conviction or the willpower or the 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 will to live really that you have to have in order to keep going he just checked out and again i don't i don't want to i'm not criticizing him as a as a human being i'm not i'm not passing judgment cuz i know when people are suffering from depression they have they have uh you know it, it it's a clinical thing it's a it's a uh there's a medical component to that i'm not i'm not denying that but what i am saying is it's a real tragedy that someone like that was not able to embrace a different type of worldview that 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 overrode his medical issues his his psychological issues whatever you know his his will his will to live did not override his his mental defects i think that's maybe the best way to say it and that that's really a and and if addiction if substance abuse addiction really is uh, uh, you know, a you know a, a physical defect. Then I think we can say that Nikki Six of Motley Crue was more successful in had more strength, had more willpower than a guy like Anthony Bourdain, who did not permit his willpower to override his own physical or mental limitations. Now, I know there are going to be people out there when they hear this, they're going to say, well, you know, that's not true. You know, everybody's different. And that's true. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing or, or trying to hate on anybody. I'm just using these two individuals as examples to make a point that we have to allow our willpower. We have to, we have to exert our willpower 
to rein in whatever physical or mental defects that we have. And this is something that I commented on in my previous podcast. You may remember my previous podcast was on Arthur, the three-legged dog. And in that podcast, I commented that this dog used did not see itself as handicapped. The dog did not, in its own insensate, in its own sort of beastly willpower, it just kept on trucking. It didn't. It just frolicked with the other dogs. It didn't even. It didn't even know that it was handicapped. You could say that its elemental willpower overrode its physical limitations, and maybe you can say that. Nikki Six of Motley Crue's, uh, his own willpower overrode his his substance abuse predilections or his uh, his own physical limitations, his weaknesses he had for for uh, um, addictive substances. And maybe you could also say that someone who ends his ends his own life is not able to to rein in their own dark voices inside that call to them to do self-destructive things. It really comes down to, I think, to a matter, matter of willpower. And I really believe that. I really believe that willpower can, I'm not going to go far as to say solve every single problem in the world because there is an element of, of fortune and fate and randomness to things that we don't fully control. But Within the things that we do have the power to control, willpower is the strongest. It is the most decisive. And in life, you're going to be faced with challenges that you never even imagined you were going to have. All this bullshit that you worry about is not going to add up to dry shit when you really come right down to it. It's not going to add up to anything because you're going to get challenges that are 10 times harder than you ever thought you were going to get. So you, there's no point worrying about it. You're better off just preparing yourself physically and mentally for the challenges that will come. And uh, like I said, no matter what, you've got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. That really is the lesson of the Anthony Bourdain story. That really is the lesson of the Motley Crue story. You've got to keep on going. You've got to, got to keep on putting one foot in front of the other foot. Because that's the solution that solves everything when you really think about it. You're going to have highs. You're going to have lows. You're going to have mediocre in-betweens. But if you can stay in the game long enough, if you can hang in there long enough, if you can keep on going long enough, eventually your luck will change. Eventually your luck will change. The worm will turn for you eventually if you can just stay in the game long enough because everybody's luck does change eventually but if you're not there when the change happens hey you lost man Perdue, you lost as they say in rio you lost Perdue, you're done if you're not the, you got to be around when the change happens if you're not around you screwed yourself you screwed the pooch you're done so this is what I'm trying to get across. This is really what I'm trying to get across. And you know, a ancillary point to these points that I just mentioned are you've got to have fun. You've got to try to laugh a little bit because, you know, that's really what life comes down to a lot. There's just a lot of wisdom and laughter. And if you can't have a few laughs, 
then what the hell good is anything? So that sums up my little comments here on putting one foot in front of the other. What we will do now is we'll close with a little bit of a reading. Maybe I'll turn this into a habit of the G Manifesto's tweets. Let's, so let's go to his Twitter timeline and, and read off some of his tweets here and have a few laughs here. So let me go ahead and do that here. All right, let's see what we can find here on the Twitter timeline of Michael Porfirio. That's the, the Twitter sign. And this is here, a retweet from May 25th. Here I'm just looking. He says, tip for today. There is nothing on your soy phone that is better than the real world. Look up and see all the heavenly glory for a change. And he's got a nice picture of a beach at sunrise. Great advice. Great advice, you know, because it all comes down to enjoying what life has to offer. And here he says here, from September 21st, much can be gained under the cover of night. No one really talks about this. And he's got a picture of a leopard or a cheetah sort of walking the uh, walking the savanna under a, a, a half moon, sort of prowling around at night. Very good image. Very, very nice image there. And there's in the, on, on a retweet from 2016. The smoking ban was the first devastating blow dealt to masculinity. <laughs> Most people don't realize this. There's a picture of, looks like Frank Sinatra and some friends here at a party from the 60s or late 50s. Great picture. All right. Everyone, <laughs> every... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone constantly yapping about how I need to, quote, blog more. Those guys are really just swooping tons, <laughs> tons of guys named Roy Moore. <laughs> I wrote over 1,500 plus posts on the gmanifesto.com, greatest blueprint on how to become a millionaire and swoop mass beautiful girls ever written. And there's a picture of a lion sleeping contentedly, knowing that it had fulfilled its duty. All right, here we go here. Retweet from January 12th. Throwing boulders at Weesh dudes while defending your village by the sea. The original cryptocurrency airdrops. This is a painting of me doing exactly this. And there's a picture, <laughs> a picture of an, an engraving, an old illustration uh, of a figure from Greek mythology hur hurling. It's probably... Um, uh, Polyphemus, the uh, the Cyclops, uh, throwing a huge boulder at Ulysses is going to be my guess. Nice, nice engraving. And then we've got oh, this is <laughs> the, <laughs> September twenty fourth. The biggest the biggest problem with these millennials is you give them actionable advice, like learning a guillotine choke, and then these millennial guys turn around and swoop. <laughs> swoop. A French guy named Guy Latrine, and eat a soy brunch with him. This is this is not a good way to go through life. No, it is not. It is not. And here's some good advice here. Even at the top levels, life is basically just about dealing with one complete idiot after another complete idiot, and that's it. Most people are not honest enough to tell you something like this. And they do not teach this. <laughs> it's, it's, 
Stanford Business School, and there's a dolly picture of a fractured woman, sort of a, a surrealistic image of a fractured woman there, just kind of split up, <laughs> split apart. Very nice, very nice image. <laughs> oh man, it just is great. So, I think that'll wrap it up. I think I think that kind of you get the point. The point is to laugh, and the point is to remember what I said earlier. Keep moving. Keep putting one foot in front of the other, no matter how bad it gets. And believe me, it's going to get really bad in life. Uh, uh, I don't mean to put that down, put you, uh, you know, kind of rain on your parade or put uh, storm clouds on your horizon, but that's the way it is. And the sooner you learn that, the better. So you might as well have fun. You might as well enjoy life within rational, reasonable limits, of course. And you should to you should remember to keep putting one foot in front of the other, and um, wait for the worm to turn for you. Wait for your luck to change. And with that said, I am Quintus Curtius. Good night. <laughs>